Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? It was an emotional day at the Emirates with the whole Emiliano Salah uh, saga. Uh, but I think Arsenal started off really well with, you know, a minute and a half into the game. Gwendozi plays an eye of the needle ball to Kolasinac. And in my, in my eyes, I thought, 1-0, 1-0, 1 minute 30 in. But, you know, we couldn't convert the chance. Uh, like I said, it was a bit unlucky. It was a bit off-balance. But uh, from that moment on, I actually thought that we were going to, you know, take the game with a scrap of the neck. Yeah, I actually expected a, you know, a better sort of finish. Because it's not like, uh, like I said, it was like in two minds, you know, getting the ball out from under his feet. So, you know, it caused almost like all sorts of problems by the time he... You know, managed to not get to his feet. They were really like two uh, card of players on him. But I like him in the box. You know, he's normally like, you know, they call like a fox in the box. Like any chance he gets there, he normally tucks it away. And you know, as the game wore on, um, you know, relegation zone, Cardiff actually looked more comfortable as the, the match wore on because in that first half, Bobby Reed had a, a shot fired just wide. I mean, it, the way the, I think the ball just faded past the post. And then uh, Callum Peterson also had a few shots blocked because, I mean, he was also always bursting through, you know, trying to beat the offside trap. So, because I think we did catch him a few times off, like on the offside trap. But I mean, there were times that he did actually break through, and but, you know, our players were in to block and that. But for me, a couple of headaches kind of in the first half was, even though, like, we started off brightly, as you said, um, El Nini was, again, poor. You know, very because every time that's what frustrates me of his game. It's like every time we are breaking forward, he's slowing the game down by that. That you know, he checks the he checks back and plays the sideways pass. And I'm thinking, also, just take the ball and run. I mean, you've got runners left and right of you. It's just not down yeah. to, to make that that, that inch perfect pass or that, that, that split decision. You know, be fast with the split decision making. But other than that. He was, you know, kind of shocking. And then um, Ozil was uninfluential in the game because he was not really, you know, I was thinking he was going to thread a couple of balls through or, you know, do a bit much. But all he was doing is just, you know, the safety way, just playing the ball sideways back and not even not really driving us forward. Because when you look at people like Torreira and Guendouzi, they were actually offering more as an attacking force than our creative midfielder. When Doji was actually playing his socks off, for me, he really impressed me throughout the game. I mean, he had that, you know, that fight that he wanted to drive the team forward all the time. He was everywhere in the thick of things. And speaking about Ozil as well, um, I've been, you know, speaking to a lot of Arsenal fans around, and they started to actually, you know, get fed up now and now saying uh, they were waiting for a, a, a bird to come in for him, which kind of shocked me because I'm thinking he's our kind of one of our world-class players. You'd want him to stay, but like the fans are now even saying, I think it's time, you know, for him to move on. I think, I don't know if it's said that, but this is again where I, I, the decision making of Emery I don't get because if you and, like, say, Ozil are, you know, at loggerheads at the moment or quite often, then why keep on making him captain? Because it's almost like giving everybody a, sell, a full sense of security. Like, on the one hand, Ozil looks like he's like one foot out of the door, on the other hand, it looks like we're still want to keep him so and, and either even that way it doesn't look like it's gonna uh, you know the, the tactics that it does not suit him this emery way of playing does not suit him so 
why always waking captain? That's what I don't get. I just, I just can't see anymore. Like, you know, I was trying to look past it as a fan. Like, and wanting Ujil to stay, wanting Ujil to stay, because I fear that if he leaves, then, like, you know, we don't have, like, a, a marquee player in, in the team. Yeah. But but now, looking at it, like, I don't know where he fits in the team. Like, where do you play him now? I, I, I don't know anymore where he can influence the game. Yeah, because, um, look, at the moment, Ramos is playing, almost like, some of you know, his, his best football at the moment now for a while. Um... And now with with the, uh, the addition now of of Dennis Suarez, who's going to be also that that creator? Because I first thought Suarez is going to be brought in as like you know out and out winger type player, but now the more and more like when I was looking at the training videos, also he's going to be more that guy that's going to be playing feeding the the forwards. Because I mean, look, he's he's passing and that reverse passing is top notch for me. Like I mean, the things that I watched of him. As we said last week, it's just he did not get the real, you know, crack of the whip there at Barcelona. But I think now he's, you know, the stage is set for him now to really turn on the star. Let's hope he does go and do that. Yeah. And then um, second half, Iwobi well, comes on for uh, El Nini. I mean, it was actually expected because... I think during that first half, I was already, when I was thinking, if Emery is going to be forced into a change, I think that's going to you know, be the one because we needed that drive and impetus and that is what yeah. we brought immediately on into the game. And all of a sudden, you know, even with, with Cardiff now, Sandu, you know, sit with that five in midfield, even though they started the game at uh, 4 4 one, one. But I mean, all of a sudden now they had to switch the game plan, trying to flood the, the midfield even more with a fifth player. But I mean, Arsenal, when I started to you know, get uh, runners down the flank. Because look, Iwobi and Colasinac, I think you mentioned it the other day, their link-up play is, you know, of the best at the moment at the club. With, with, you know, if you look at either flanks. Because the, the the threat from that left is actually really dangerous the way they're always playing each other in. Yeah. And then, come 64th minute, as you mentioned, Iwobi with this, you know, he's been doing these little passes that gets Kolasinac behind the defender very well mm-hmm. these past few games and he picked out Kolasinac really well and Kolasinac doing what he does best driving into the box and then gets fouled by Manga to get the penalty and I think that Manga was lucky not to have gotten you know this is his first penalty he gave away but in this in the first half I feel that we should have got that penalty on Lacazette from this Manga guy so I feel justice was served getting mm-hmm. that penalty in the 64th minute and then Aubameyang coolly tucking it away. I mean, the way he started away, he didn't even look really <laughs> at, you know, at the ball. He just looked at, you know, where the keeper's going and then guy just put in that direction. Yeah, because, I mean, that takes, I'm just showing you that now, you know, what they do in training also, even though sometimes when they goof around, like, but you know, that's just one of the type of penalties they do practice that do they just staring at the keeper and then that, like, wait for the, the movement from the keeper and then they place the ball. Because I was watching my um, watching the game with you know your nephew, my cousin Reeves, mm-hmm. um, and he told me, "Ah, oh, no, you know the penalty wasn't really well taken because it wasn't like you know deep in the corner; it was just like there." But I told him, "If you watch Aubameyang take the penalty, you may wait for the keeper you know, to yeah. make the decision, and then you just go the other way and simply roll it in." And in the 83rd minute, like I said, took a brilliant goal. You know, riding a heavy yeah. challenge. Gets up, drives at the card of defense, and fires a powerful drive pass. The keeper to make it 2 0. Also, could have added 
I think a third and a fourth, but I mean, at times it was also a wasteful finishing. Um, then, of course, you know, most of us fans were now hoping now clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet. And then you end up, it was almost like for me, like the commentator I had, um, it was almost like a commentator's curse because they were just mentioning, you know, this could be Arsenal's uh, second, uh, or, yeah, so no, sorry, third. Back to back. Yeah, back to back. And then that, uh, what was the guy's name that scored the Mendes Mendes Lang. Yeah, and, and I mean for me again, it, it was like you know unnecessary goal because it's like as that ball goes through, I think two two players of ours would just turn their back on the ball and allow it to go to the far. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it was a silly goal to concede. Really, it, it, look, I, I think we're happy with the three points, but I feel mm. the the performance could have been a bit better. This, you know, I thought you would have. I know this sounds wrong, but taking advantage of, you know, the with the Emiliano Salah, how it would have affected the mm. card of players, but it seems like they were a bit more fired up than yeah. we were. Yeah, because, I mean, even Neil Warnock said after the game, he found that was actually one of their best performances of 2019 so far, that, you know, the way they put that. And, I mean, they did not look like a team that were, you know, in the law of, what's it, 18th position. So, yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention, I think you 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 sent this picture actually to me, and it's like you mentioned, like it's why one of the reasons we actually love the club, like you know, it's not always just about the the success now while the club is doing, but the fact that you know Arsenal put that Emiliano Salah's name as a substitute on the the match program or the team yeah, sheet. So it's, it's you know it's just one of the reasons why you know we can look to the club and say like you know these are the you know models and values actually we have that relates to the club and you know and then of course by you know as i say football can be a funny game we get we go into this game you know chasing chelsea and then we then find out that chelsea end up losing 4-0 against bournemouth and that four goals <laughs> knocks chelsea back into fifth <laughs> and arsenal without again <laughs> doing much yeah you know uh, ops over Chelsea to get that fourth spot for, at the moment. And, you know, as a look, uh, things can also happen this weekend with regards to uh, fixtures and stuff like that. But I mean, for me now, it's almost like the opportunity with United dropping points, Chelsea getting hammered, to, you know, almost like start making some sort of this. Look, of course, it's going to be tough like, as we're now going to move on to the next game, we're going to preview with the Man City game. But I mean, for me, it's now, you know, there's the opportunity to go. You know, flow that that at or am home that advantage now over that two teams. Because you no, don't want Chelsea because look at the moment Chelsea and their manager, there's a big fallout going down on that thing. And mm -hmm. I mean Man United at the moment, I still think look, we were we really flopped. I mean I'm not saying we really flopped against them. We had I mean, even though we had total domination, but we were just picked off for being wasteful and stuff like that. Whereas I don't think United have really you know, being pushed to the limit because I think that that Burnley game, to a degree, Burnley did it. But uh, you know, it's almost like they also bottled it the last few minutes, uh, last ten or so minutes, because they were almost like thinking, okay, we're gonna, do, you know, what we have, we hold. And I think the way United were playing, if they had not just kept on, you know, I don't know. Of course, it's, it's easier said than done, but if they had not just had that bit more extra in their legs, they could have seen even uh, gotten a third goal because United were playing so open. But just with the fact that that. Um, Burnley went into the shells at last 10 minutes. 
that almost like brought back all you know what we know United for where they just steamroll you at the end. And I think that yeah. No, go, no, go on, go on, sorry. I mean that is that just we had brought back that, that memories of Ferguson and stuff, Alex Ferguson, where he used to you know, his teams used to just steamroll the teams that last five minutes or ten minutes. Because I really, I feared for Burnley that last, uh, especially in, even in injury time, I feared for them because there was like a lot of injury time they added on and United were just pressing, pressing, pressing and, you know, really getting behind when they needed to, that, that, that Burnley defense. Because I mean, all of them were like cramping up somewhere. I think one guy was even holding his hamstring at the end there mm-hmm. trying to defend. Yeah, and I also watched the ending of that game actually and United seem like they, you know, like you mentioned, almost that Fergie time coming in where they like, you know, batter the team into submission. And these next few weeks is going to be really interesting now. With, you know, it, it could be, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could be advantage United should City beat us and um, Chelsea because they play Chelsea next week as well at the Etihad. So if, you know, if the United win both their games and, you know, Arsenal drop points and Chelsea drop points, they can uh, maybe close the gap on us, but if Arsenal can maybe pick up a draw somehow tomorrow, we then I think hold the top four kind of in our hands because then United will only if we if they win the two games and we win next week against Huddersfield, it will kind of put us on you know level points, and then they have to come to the Emirates still. So you know, I know there's a lot of football to play, but you know it's almost like a game of cat and mouse now. But you know we play, we win now. You it's up to you guys. But you see, you know I think. Latter part of, of February also, it's going to be also a case of, you know, how best we're going to use our squad. Because, look, we can, for the Europa League, look, you don't have to be all out. Because, look, in the early, the early knockout rounds, you're still going to come up against, uh, you know, every, like average sides. You're not going to get the big boys yet. Whereas, look at United, they will have to play, I think they play, what, PSG? Is it PSG they're playing or who's it they're playing? They play PSG, they play PSG yes. Yeah. They're not, I think they, they play 80 games actually yeah, after yeah. each other. What I'm trying to say is they're going to have to always play almost like, a first, like, you know, close to or a first team. So, yeah. whereas we are, you know, we can at least say like, if, like when we come up against uh, even like say Tottenham, we can at least go in very fresh. Whereas, you know, the teams like Tottenham or, or United, um, yeah, and, and City and them, they're all going to have to go in like nearly full strength. I think Chelsea will also probably go our way for the Europa League. You know, not yeah. really play all the cards first time. But I think with them, that is where we should also take advantage because you never know how United, because I mean, they are putting so much pressure also on that because uh, those guys also now having a squad that's very, um, you know, it doesn't like you can put out the same squad almost every week roughly. So you don't have to tinker much, but look, he's going to have to start tinkering now as they come to the European the European competition. So that's like the point out of me. I think it's it's we it was like we want the Spurs and the Man United to go as far as possible in the Champions League yeah. and maybe falter in the semi-finals or something like that. Yeah, just just the squad. Just really, that's our only lifeline because look, with every week it also goes on. You know, some of our you know, injured players are coming back. Look at McTarin is now just about uh, match fit again. I, I mean, I don't know. They might even like bring him only back for the say Huddersfield game. But I mean, you can see the players are now, you know, getting out uh, the training under the belt and coming back. And, and I mean, because the only doubt will be that long out because they said it was not just to get that that joke with <laughs> the other day. 
it was like a few days after that incident with United, he still couldn't open his jaw, right? Because they said they were not trying to give him like relaxants and all that stuff. Because they said he has sort of like blood clots in his jaw, so they got that uh, knock on the jaw that he got from Lukaku. No, we've just been unlucky with the injuries. It's, it's, it's really like, you know, mod the season, but yes, the freaky stuff like you mentioned, yes. Because when we lost, did you see somebody getting injured for like almost like a locked jaw type thing? <laughs> yeah, and then like almost like two, like ACL or something like that with the Ballerin and, and um, Holding. Yeah. They did something with that, like for their knees, both the same injury. I mean, that happens really to one player in a season and it happened to two of our key players. Okay, so now we move on to the Man City game. Um, City coming off the loss to the Magpies. I think they come into the game tomorrow, you know, almost like a wounded animal. So, you know, we have been warned now to, to you know, how to take things and not, you know, try to go totally open, you know, play an open type of game. Because if we're going to, if we try to go toe to toe with Man City, it could end really bad for us. Because we tried that type of thing against Liverpool. And I mean, you saw where that ended us. And I just hope. <laughs> You know, Emery has not taken, you know, eat the warning and then, and, and, you know, adjust the team to almost like our type of thing and not play to, in, you know, into Pep's hands. Yeah, we're going to have to frustrate City because they're going to feel the pressure. I mean, the five points behind you, I mean, in Liverpool, it's almost like they're going to, you know, come with a sense of desperation to, like we've seen Arsenal do many times when they're chasing a team and they're going like you know your rivals coming to town and if if Arsenal play the cards right they could frustrate City and start putting pressure because if you get to the 60th minute and it's nil nil City will have to start doing something they don't normally do because they're going to need that goal because they know at the back of the head if they don't get the points and Liverpool win on Monday pressure built on them again so Arsenal need to take that and you know maybe frustrate them do, like, do what they did, I know it was at 2015, when we came there at the Etihad, when people thought we were going to get rolled over by them, and we almost did like a kind of a counter-attacking game where we just sat and watched them, mm. and then we punished them on the counter every time. And you know, like for me, uh, a solid game plan, what we needed, as you know, you touched on, because for me, discipline is going to be of utmost important or uh, uh, utmost importance because you know we can't lose our heads early in this game because I mean then you're already setting yourself as I said uh, before you know to a heavy defeat so I think a wise game and as you said which is also vital that point you made uh, of that frustrating them in the especially in our third because if they're gonna now try to you know get the ball from their um, their defense to the midfield and then to the, uh, the you know the final third for them. And that is, I think, that is where we should frustrate him. And I think that is something that, um, which game was it that I watched? The way United played us. Yes. FA Cup. You know, they allowed us to get almost like, at, the, at times it was like 70, 80% of the ball. But I mean, they still bossed us when it came to the attacking side of the game. And they now, you know, when it got adjusted and they hit us on the break, we had no answer to it. And I think that is maybe where we could, uh, you know, hurt Man City than if we, you know, if we not play accordingly. Because for me, uh, also that, that, that when Man City played Chelsea, when they lost that game, it was also a game where, where Tottenham, I'm not sorry, it's not Tottenham, uh, Man City were all over them. But, you know, Chelsea just like kind of let them wear themselves out. And then Chelsea 
uh, started going to overdrive. And I think that is something that we should now also, you know, adjust our game to that type. Because mm-hmm. it's not like we, we get too adventurous and we get carried away and, and, and they may always get un- punished, go um, or get punished. Because it was under the Venga era like that. And it was one under Emery now also at times against certain big teams. I'm not saying all, but certain. It's like they will just play more open and open than anything. Look, you're already two or three, one down. So, you know, try to play a more compact game just to frustrate for a bit. But it's like we just keep on opening up the game, opening up, and then it's like you end up with that 5 1 scoreline. We also need to take a pet out of Palace's book as well and went to the Etihad and showed, you know, that they can be beaten at the Etihad. Mm. So, uh, I don't know, it's not going to be an easy game, but like you mentioned, we can't lose discipline because if you don't lose discipline and you're going to let City score early, you're going to give them the impetus for the game and they don't need that. So they don't need a, like a, a lifeline or easy goals to come their way. They need to struggle for it, work for it. And me as an Arsenal fan, you know, I'm not expecting much tomorrow, but all I can want for the team is to give a, give a 100%. If we give a 100% and we come unstuck and we lose 1-0, 2-0, but you can see that this team put in everything, I'll mm-hmm. accept that, you know, and you know, take it forward and say, if we can take this performances forward to the rest of the season, you know, we're in good stead. Yeah, so I mean, uh, like for me, it, 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 uh, tomorrow, I mean, I'm also not expecting that much because, you know, when, when you said you're good on the day, it's going to be, you know, they at times they can be unplayable. But as, as, as we now discussed, if you go there with a, a very, very specific game plan, you can you know, not only beat them, but you can even fr- like frustrate them even. And I think that is what we just need because we need a sort of week where, you know, we can go into, you know, the next like uh, five, six, seven days before our next game after City where we, you know, got now a positive game against uh, Cardiff and then at least get, you know, almost like a point or so from this game because, as you said, it takes us into good state going into that. You know, because then it will kick on because now we're already getting that, that like a sort of run going because, you know, we are, we are the own then against like the, 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 one of the title challenges. And I think that, because for me, it's not like we took a hell of a knock against Liverpool, who were like uh, the front runners. And now we're going to come up against a team at second place. So, I mean, if we can just show some sort of, you know, not only passion, but that, as we said now, discipline, that is going to be the key to, you know, everything here now. And, and it becomes a, a thing of who can take points from who. Like, uh, with the example, if we can go to the Etihad Stadium and take a point, it will be golden because I think Chelsea still needs to go to the Etihad. Mm. Uh, like, we'll go next week. Um, okay, United, City's going to Old Trafford, and you know, you never know how the title race is shaping up by then. But mm. in those little things, if you can steal points here, there, and everywhere, like, like United went and stole three points at Spurs. Yeah. So we need to do something similar to that, or even a point, just so that you know we can be on level, st- like level ground with them, because we can't start falling behind. It's going to be important to take points away from your other top four rivals, like we did now against Chelsea as well. I think we we it always concerns a lot of Arsenal fans with regards to you know like like stealing a win, as we would say, is that just that that fact that our defense is not as reliable as you want it to be, you know. Because I think if we had like any sort of defense of, of maybe a Liverpool, a Man City, or whatever, then we think, okay, you got the sort of manpower that can it maybe hold out, you know, or hold the team at bay. But I think we at times we lose that 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 
from defense to that uh, those that play in front of the defense, I think that is where we lose that 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 confidence and solidity, and that is what you need now to you know shut the opponent out, and that is what we don't have because you know like tomorrow we'll probably be again goals in it if if we you know if we just don't now go according. But, and, and what's what's sad for me as well is the fact that we've we've given away so many points in like that I think we could have been better off in this season. Like for me, that's how the Hampton game should never have been a loss. Drawing at Wolves should also never happen. And even that Old Trafford game, we had the lead twice in the game and just threw it away. And I mean, if you look at that, that's probably what four seven points we could have been better off. Yeah, we had a better defense. Because I, I, you know, I think that is where we Emery sometimes loses it a bit with that players, or something, or, or not loses with the players, but that thing that frustrates him probably with the team that he's now inherited. It's like they, you know, that 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 high that that we had against Tottenham at the Emirates in the league. Now I think he sometimes ex- expects them to eat that sort of heights when they play your Cardiffs, your Huddersfields, and whatever. But it's not like then we end up scraping that game and scraping this game and. Okay. You know that is, you know why? Like why? Like also with the with the Chelsea game, why don't they turn up that sort of game or that sort of performance every week? Because it, uh, yeah. it would, it would, you know, bode well for a whole season if you're going to turn up like that, especially home games. Look, away games is going to be a lottery always. You know how it's going to go. But I mean, look, we've been like eking out uh, some away games where we're getting the points and stuff like that. But I mean, for me, home games we need to. BM, like you know, like blow teams away. I think you mentioned it uh, three or four podcasts ago about that. We you make that Emirates into some sort of fortress where you can, like, you know, teams will fear coming there. But it's like I don't know. It, 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 it's like, like when, the, when the crowd will feel that vibe from the players that, that you know that positive vibe. Then the crowd also goes like a kind of like a dead mode. Then you have like the players playing looking flat even at home, and then you got like the crowd also just going. And then, you know, you hear a couple of Arsenal Arsenal chants, and then. Afterwards, just go silent again. No, yes, what? yes, what crowns, the crowns and yeah, moans. Right. Yeah. Like that needs to be sorted out. But I think, you know, the type of Chelsea performance we had again at the Emirates, I think we should, you know, maybe start doing it away from home as well, where you allow the other team to have position and you just come there, pick your goals and pick your moments to go and attack. You don't have to all the time try to dominate the team away from home. Because that's not. Watching, like, just thinking of that, that um, game against when, when Tottenham and United played, um, it was almost like you know watching a, a you know two boxes like sparring. It's like you know you have the one coming out attacking, and then you know he sees like a you know a shot where you're getting points, and then goes into like a defensive mode. Let that guy, your opponent, now gets himself out somewhat by punching back, and then you come again with a you know full blast attack, and that is how. We should also, you know, switch the, the type of gameplay in matches where, you know, we come, either you hit him fast, like, like a, you know, a quick opener, like, you know, the, yeah. the, but they can score off where that we could have scored like after like two minutes. And or even like against, uh, I think Tottenham was also a very fast start. We, you know, you go like that and then, you, of course, you come back, you play within yourself, you know, more focus, more on possession or let them, you know, Dally dally with the ball in there off. But then afterwards you come again, you know, full speed again at them. So it's not like they're never reading really, you know, what sort of wave or attack pattern you're gonna come at them with. As now it's almost like a, a team starting to exhibit, you know, that basketball like press against Arsenal. 
just try to throw them off their rhythm. And yeah. then, like, going back against Cardiff also, like, not just in general, like, it felt like it was almost a relegation scrap game between two teams, the way it was going end-to-end. -end. I mean, come on, you can't be going end-to-end -end against a Cardiff City. Well, I was quite shocked that, you know, the, the sort of chances they were, you know, getting. And I think Alan Smith was a co-commentator in our commentary team. And he was actually saying, you know, if Cardiff had now a, a, a top striker, they could have easily had like two or three goals going into the halftime. Because we were showing nothing really going forward. And, you know, you know, but for Drift, you know, because look, they were always pushing our guys away from the goal. Even if we got into the box, they were always, you know, ushering us away from goal. Whereas we were giving them clear cut, you know, breaks through the down the middle. I mean, because for me, I was already, uh, my eyes were already drifting towards the net when that uh, Bobby Reed came through and he had that shot. It was like, you know, a free run at, at, at the goal. And then he, I think he probably just got all nervy seeing like Leno come out somewhat. And then he just slapped at the shot and he, he narrowly missed. And I thought to myself, how can you allow, you know, in a game that we're supposed to say we're dominating and you're allowing these sort of chances to come out from the other side? It's so no wonder we don't have, you know, clean sheets. Yeah, we, 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 we allow free reign our goals all the time it's something needs to be worked on and then i feel a bit disappointed that we only got one signing you know in this window because yeah. i feel that it's going to be now a lot of pressure on dennis Suarez to deliver because now you're the new signing you need to now pull an episode of that all the time because we obviously as 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 fans when a new signing comes you can look to the guy okay he needs to now you know do something for us I mean, what frustrated me a lot, I think I, I think I tweeted on my personal account about it, was, you know, we, we did so well, or, um, you know, abiding by financial fair player rules of, that UEFA now implemented. And yet you watch other teams that do not abide by those rules and regulations, you know, go spend almost like more than they uh, bring in. And they, you know, you see them flying in the league. Okay, look, Tottenham... You can't really throw them in that, but I'm just talking about like, Chelsea and Liverpool and, and, and uh, Man City. They now have owners that know, okay, there's the money. Do something with it. Get us that, what we need. Whereas we're trying to, you know, play, almost like being the nice guy and whatever. But I was like, nice, nice guys are coming out lost at the moment, the way, the way this FFP works. Because every time uh, you get yeah. this threat, that threat against... These teams, it never sticks. That's how I think. Then why, did, why the heck did we now stick to that sort of policy? Then, then we could have. Well, I assume it, as our owner as well that doesn't want to pump money in the club. You know, if we had to have it, Usmanov guy, I'm sure he would have. You know, bankrolled Arsenal, and we could have been flying with the best, um, signing the best. But I think we have our owner now who doesn't really love soccer. He doesn't really love Arsenal, and just he just got it as uh, you know a business model as maybe a cash cow for his. His other sort of his other teams he has like didn't is it me or, or did I hear incorrectly? But he pumped quite a large sum into it. You know, is it St. Louis Rams that he owns? Yeah, that LA Rams, I think, or something like that. Because he, he had to pay also for them the name to be changed. Because that was also a big money thing. And also the, the whole thing of the stadium and all that's that's that's, that's frustrating because it's like Look, I don't know their chances because look, I'm not a NFL fan or whatever, so I don't yeah. know how their chances stand against that Patriots on on Sunday. But my thing is just, you, you, when you look at Arsenal, we 
the, the sort of FA Cups we brought in on a minor budget. Now, yeah. just imagine what could happen if you, you know, you go all out, you're spending, say that money it was using for the for the Rams, and you, you know, you spend that on the Arsenal transfer budget. What we could achieve, because I mean, look, we've got some talented scouts now. We've got a, a good coach, coaching staff, and and you know, you don't know what sort of top talent we could have now gotten. And for me, uh, the frustrating part of this whole transfer window was, you know, where it gets to a point where, as I said, you you buy to FFP and you can't even get a loan deal over the line. I mean, that says a lot about the club. Because I mean, as yeah. I said. I didn't want us just to buy for buy's sake, but at least bring in people that can, you know, help see us over the line for the last half of the season. Because, I mean, look, the way we were racking up injuries, we also need sometimes, you know, some fresh legs or fresh, you know, maybe that a new signing also brings that, you know, the new ideas, new impetus into the squad. Yeah, we, we need that because if we had to get even a passage with Dennis Wallace or at Carrasco with Dennis Suarez, it kind of um, lessened the load now on a bombing and like I said as well, as well giving them that kind of competition. I know they're not direct competition for positions like the striker, but they they have that they can you know maybe we can squash them in as a, a forward or something like that or a wide player. So then Abameyang and Lacazette have to you know compete against each other, but it also gives that you know that whole squad a lift and maybe even if those guys don't stay permanently. They can maybe get us into the Champions League, which we actually need because the Europa League's coming up. And sometimes you need a bit of more quantity now just to, you know, get you through this game to this game because Niketia is not going to, and no offense to the guy, I'm not saying, I'm not saying in the future he's going to, he could probably be a, you know, a bright prospect. But at the moment, he's not going to win a game for us against, uh, against the Man City or against the, uh, you know, uh, a Tottenham or something like that. We need type of players that can turn a game on his head. And if it's two, if it's like for the next six months and they go, fine. But it maybe push us into the Champions League. Yeah, because I mean, uh, with, with, with regards to Nketiah, I mean, the minute Welbeck, you know, snapped his ankle and then I mean, I saw that we had no, no real backup in the, in the attacking line. Uh, you know, they can play as a natural forward. Because I mean, look, I know, People like Mkhitaryan and can you know, as an emergency, but they're not. They don't have that sort of striker mindset, which you know comes with these four, like you know, with the actual forward. But I mean, the minute Welbeck went down like that, and 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 we lost him now for the season, and I thought it was a and Ketia is the one we now have to, you know, it's like Paisa uh, uh, hopes upon, and and then hope that, that, that keep our fingers crossed that that uh, Lacazette and. Aubameyang say almost like near injury free, you know, in what is normally a long season. I don't know because I mean I've watched him play now. I don't know how many games now, and I mean there's been games where he's now been given now. You know, here's a match for you. You're gonna start the game. You're gonna lead the line, and it's not like he gets so overwhelmed or he tries too hard, and then it's not like things just get away from him. And then when you look again, there like as it has to come on as a sub or something like that in the game to lead the line in a, in a, like say some of these smaller games. Yeah, and I feel also we maybe just missed out on one defender, one solid centre back. Like I know a lot of people were against Gary Cahill, but I wouldn't have minded him even if it was for the six months. I mean, there's nothing, there's no harm in having him there. I mean, you see Koscielny this injured, and people pick up injuries like fly sometimes. So we just need to. We could have been a smart signing, just have him there, have some sort of experience, and maybe some people can learn from him because 
he's won the Champions League, he's won the Europa League, he's won a few Premier Leagues, so he has the experience coming with him and he knows the Premier League as well. And then, of course, we ended up um, allowing Emil Smith-Rowe to leave to Red Bull Leipzig. You know, I wish him well over there. And I mean, I think the way the likes of Reese Nelson and, and even like Jaden Sancho, of, of the, you know, when he left Man City, uh, the way they, they've now developed in the Bundesliga, I mean, that's the, it's not like the English kids are really becoming a hit in, in, in Europe. Um, sorry, in, in the Bundesliga. So everybody's like normally trying now to get, uh, you know, one of these English youngsters because look at how Bayern also now, they missed out on that Callum Hudson-Odoi. But I think they're going to go in for him again in the summer because Chelsea's not trying the utmost to keep him there. And, and I mean, this is now another English talent that will probably now also leave. Yeah, and it's strange to see, like, you normally see, like, the, the English clubs going for, you know, all the other European young players, but now everyone's starting to come to England, and those English players now feel that they will much get a better chance overseas, but, and like, or, like, in Germany. I don't know if you've watched that one of the last England internationals, but, um, look, I, I used to watch quite a bit, but then they came also a lull after the World Cup, and that was that Europe, uh, the Europe Nations League didn't you know, appeal to me much. But when he made his debut for England, uh, Jaden Sancho, so, you know, I have to now watch, because I mean, I watch him regularly in the Bundesliga, because I wanted to see if he cannot take that, you know, that form of the Bundesliga where he's like, you know, hot, and, you know, adjusted now to international game. And I mean, he, you know, flew it, uh, you know, passed with, with flying colors, because, you know, he had that confidence he had, like playing for Dortmund, um, with that you know, that experience players, internationals, and that. When you see him play there, it's, like, you, it's just another game for him. And I think that is where I hope that's also going to help Smith Rowe. Because, look, if we saw already what performances he put up in, in not only the preseason, but in that Europa League games, where at times he was allowed to to play that Ramsey slash Ozil role. And, you know, he also passed that with flying colors. I mean, he's a very confident player, likes getting his head up and driving forward. And I think that could bode also well for us long term if he now you know really pushes uh, or helps push Red Bull Leipzig into a Champions League spot or consolidated spot in the, in the Champions League for next season. You know he comes back to us with that sort of you know real air of confidence and maybe a bit of a swagger as well, which sometimes you need when you're coming to, like you know playing in a Premier League side. So it, it, it could bode well if if this move. No, Reece Nelson when, when Reece Nelson comes back, because when then you're looking at again another uh, like again the summer like a winger again, where whereas we would have probably gone for say two wingers, we probably will just go for one winger in the summer because you know he's also setting the Bundesliga light with his play, and I mean he's playing also now for a team that's you know in the Champions League. Oh, um, I haven't been obviously watching uh, him play in the uh, Bundesliga, so you say he's like you know putting in some good performances. Yeah, I mean, he's like what you also like. Look, sometimes they let him play. Uh, they let him start, but they don't let him like finish the game. But the the way he causes the most damage is when they let him on that last 15, 25 minutes or so. Then he, when he comes on, it's like he becomes almost like unplayable at times for defenders over here. Oh wow, so it's, uh, it sounds promising, you know. If yeah. if the two of them come in with experience in minutes, yeah. you know, under their belt, they could you know be. Decent, I wouldn't say like, you know, first in key place, but, you know, decent squad members, which you can ask to come and make a difference. And who knows, you know, 
They could turn out to like be a Rashford, Rashford is type player, you know, where he eventually from the academy can actually, you know, be a starter in the teams. And then who knows? Maybe as you and I discussed, maybe you're using the chunk of of next season or like you know the coming seasons um, transfer budget, and you pump that all in the like for defensive uh, yeah. replacements and stuff like that. We look, we, we are gonna also probably sell players, so you know that's also more money coming in to the club. But I mean, you you know that the that budget that we normally get is normally ninety to one fifty mil. So you know, if we can use a chunk of that money to get one or two centre backs, and then also, you know, uh, another left back, maybe a, 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 a you know up and coming right back, you know, just to be in the wings for for Bellerin, then you know it could also sell to a lot of good for us because just getting a defence, you know, almost like. Yeah, a sort of Emery-based uh, defense. That I think would also be the next step for him because I think he he needs a defense that he builds, not you know what he inherited. Uh, I think uh, like getting all those things right and Champions League for me is the most important. If Arsenal can get Champions League, they put United to Champions League and Chelsea maybe. Suddenly Arsenal seems a more you know a brighter prospect for players to come inside. Maybe the likes of Hazard and Day is fed up because, you know, they don't have, like, you know, soccer players career short and they don't want to be playing in the Europa League and Hazard wouldn't want the second consecutive season. So suddenly Chelsea lose a bit of players, you know, and then I'm sure Solskjaer, Solskjaer maybe, you know, maybe stays, maybe doesn't, but he might not maybe get that massive investment because they're in the Europa League as a Mourinho got to win or in the Europa League. So it comes down to, you know, trying to get into that Champions League spot and hoping that other teams, you know, mess up and don't find a way back. And we need to just make sure we, we sort that outside, though. Yeah. And that's where we draw a line with this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Have a great weekend. It's going to be probably a bit nail-biting for tomorrow, but let's hope we get some sort of positive result. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye, guys. Enjoy the game. <laughs>